0: Welcome to another episode of The Life She Wrote. I'm your host, Emily. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm the creator of thelifeshewrote.com, where I write about faith deconstruction, religious trauma, and other ex-evangelical topics. Well, here we are. I feel like we've reached some sort of milestone together. This is the last episode in a five-part series on purity culture that's lasted about a month. And what a series it's been. (laughs) If you haven't listened to episodes one through four, we covered everything from 90s evangelical subculture, to modesty and clergy abuse, shame and sex and relationships. And last week, we discussed the gender roles taught in purity culture and evangelicalism at large. This isn't going to be the longest episode ever, because I'm not going to lie all this series has sort of wrecked me, <laughs> in a good way. I'm so grateful to everyone who's listened, and to those of you who have reached out to tell me how it's resonated with you, or helped you feel seen. That's the only reason I'm doing this in the first place. Tonight I'm about to talk about some things that have profoundly affected a lot of people I love and care for very deeply. I don't by any means speak on behalf of all ex-evangelicals. This is merely an exploration of the evangelical theology and specifically purity culture that has trampled over the autonomy of a large demographic of our society. This week on the blog, I wrote about how Purity culture negatively impacted people's ability to live out their own sexual and gender identity. I mean, it was hard enough surviving purity culture if you knew you were straight, but imagine what it was like for those who knew they weren't or felt the pain of not identifying with the gender that they were assigned at birth and having no one to talk to about it. Not only were they facing pressure from their peers and parents and pastors, but heteronormativity exists beyond the walls of the church. Last week I talked about this word, heteronormative, meaning the idea, belief, whatever you want to call it, that heterosexual attraction is the only acceptable form of sexual or romantic expression. I believe I also called it bullshit. For as long as most of us can remember, heteronormativity has also been the predominant attitude toward relationships and sexuality for Western society as a whole. So it went, it goes far beyond the reaches of just the church walls. This is something that as a society we've struggled with. One could say that straight people at least had the approval of their church leaders and parents, even if, you know, their evangelical Christianity told them that they were, quote, not of this world, unquote. But if you were not straight, you not only were not accepted by society, in varying degrees, depending on the community you lived in, but you also may have felt like you didn't belong in a church either, or at home, or anywhere. In a world already revolving around patriarchy and heteronormativity, there was often no possibility of refuge for gay or trans youth growing up evangelical. Now, I know I talked about some of these things on the blog, but I want to talk about them again here because I just feel it all bears repeating. Purity culture and white evangelicalism, took something so basic to the human condition, personal identity and companionship, and put those into a box so small that only the narrowest faction of humanity would be able to fit into it, knowing full well that it would force people to be afraid and ashamed of everything outside that box. Evangelicals stoked those fears by convincing young people they would be physically harming themselves if they had premarital sex, and convinced them that queerness itself was a mental ailment to be cured. This falls in line with the common belief among evangelicals and some other Christians that mental illness is the evidence of unrepented sin in one's life, which is another tragedy to be addressed a different day. By forcing people into these tiny boxes, evangelicalism prioritizes the image of heteronormativity over the real needs and health of people. It also prioritizes the so-called salvation of souls over relationship and unconditional love. This obsession over what is sin and what isn't, combined with their belief that hell is a real place, has led evangelicals to some dark places. Particularly, it forces evangelical parents to believe their own children could end up in hell if they do not fit into those tiny boxes. So not only do gay and trans children of evangelicals have to worry about hell themselves, but they, even if they deconstruct their beliefs and realize that hell isn't a real place, they still have to face the devastation of their parents' belief that they'll go to hell. And they might feel like they're causing their parents that anguish. Now to clarify, gay and trans kids are absolutely not responsible for this anguish. But that's what's so twisted about this. By living outside of the evangelical paradigm, we see integral parts of ourselves as character flaws. Flaws of the and things that will cause other people harm or pain because anything that doesn't measure up is a disappointment. I already talked uh, a couple weeks ago about shame quite a bit at length, but for the sake of not being repetitive, I thought I should talk about another theological problem that results in trauma for anyone who doesn't fit into the evangelical gender binary. I want to talk for a minute about fear. Because out loud, evangelicals like to talk about love, right? They like repeating things from the Bible, like love is Jesus loved, love your neighbor as yourself, for God to love the world. Love is patient. Love is kind. Blah, blah, blah. And yet when you step back and look at the underlying emotion that holds evangelical Christianity together, it's not love. It's fear. Fear of sin. Fear of knowledge. Fear of God. Fear of each other. Fear of things they don't understand. Fear of ourselves. They want us to think the motivation for becoming and staying a Christian is love. But every attempt to convert someone is an effort to what? Save them. Save them from what, you ask? An eternity separated from God in hell. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, for whoever should believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. shall not perish you know it's funny because we know death is an inevitable part of the human condition but evangelicalism and in some cases Christianity in general tells us that death is to be feared and in order to extinguish this fear we must believe in this deity in order to have some kind of pleasant afterlife and if we don't that God that loved the world so much might be totally okay with you burning in hell for all of eternity. And that... that doesn't sound like love at all. Just last night I saw this horrific tweet from a white evangelical pastor and if if we follow each other on Twitter, you might, you probably saw it too, but the link was to an article on this pastor's ministry's website. And the tweet about the article read, quote, God's word says that there is none good. Your child isn't good. His heart is evil, but there's a way to restrain his sinfulness. Teach him the fear of the Lord. End quote. Below that was the link to the article, which was the picture of an infant who looked maybe upset, crying, or distressed. And below that was the title of the article, which was, Face It, Children Are Evil. guys, I got nothing. (laughs) But please, someone try to explain to me uh, how that isn't abusive. I dare anyone to email me and convince me that that's not abusive. This fear that a lot of evangelicals grew up with, it began at a very young age. The fear that evangelicals feel for their gay or trans children is very real. Because anything outside those traditional gender roles we talked about last week is going to incite fear. And the fear is familiar, because they've likely feared their own supposed sinful nature their entire lives. When I left evangelicalism, as it were, and I found these online spaces full of ex-evangelicals. For a while there, I was beginning to wonder uh, if all XVs were queer. <laughs> Obviously, that's not true. Um, and I'm not saying this flippantly at all. I I mean that literally the number of queer XVs I was meeting and interacting with online far outnumbered the straight ones. Of course, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know why I understood why they'd left conservative or fundamentalist churches behind. But what was palpable in every one of those spaces was something that was the opposite of the fear we grew up with. It was freedom, real freedom, not freedom as prescribed by the Bible of our youth. But the freedom that comes from trusting yourself, believing yourself, the freedom that comes when you stop being afraid of someone not loving you because of who you love, the freedom of living your life, walking in your truth as the person that you know you are deep down inside, even if that person is not straight or does not identify with the gender they were assigned at birth. And with that freedom comes the ability to see the beauty and diversity in human beings instead of only seeing a sinner who needs saving. I know I've sort of been bashing bashing on Christianity a little bit in this episode, so let me clarify a few things. First of all, there is a very large community of LGBTQ Christians who have found comfort and solace in the message of Jesus and in the liturgy and spirituality. And I have a deep respect for those who embrace faith practices that serve them well and don't harm others. There are many, many ordained queer and transgender clergy, some of whom I've followed online from afar, others I've gotten to know and love, and I stand by my claim that queer clergy are the best clergy. And my theory for this, and this is only a theory, and no one has to agree with me on this, is that I, I feel like that they might be some of the only modern humans to really comprehend what it's like to be rejected by large populations of other religious Christians and church leaders, just as Jesus was rejected by the religious leaders of his day. Perhaps they understand and interpret Jesus's teachings in a way that straight people will never be able to comprehend. I have nothing but respect for straight progressive Christians who are affirming of all sexual genders and identities, regardless of whatever faith or lack of it that I personally have now. Just as much as I respect those who found Christianity lacking at best, or trauma-inducing at worst, and have chosen atheism or agnosticism, it matters much more to me how people are treated now than whether or not they believe in God or an afterlife. The problem with evangelicalism is that it demands everyone fit in their box for the benefit of pleasing their God. But there are plenty of Protestant Christians who don't treat people this way, and I think that's worth noting. Sometimes atheists get mad at me online because I won't just say that all religion is dangerous or that all of Christianity is hot garbage. But that's fine. They can stay mad about it. I've chosen to see that humanity is more nuanced than that. And I will continue to call out homophobia and bigotry wherever I see it, no matter their religion or lack thereof, just as I will continue to speak out against toxic, abusive theology. Purity culture took so much from us as a generation. Our time, our identity, our self-worth, our sexual freedom. My hope is that we can take back the parts of ourselves we put in those boxes on a shelf, hoping that Jesus would make them go away. Parts that make us whole parts that will heal our broken hearts and tattered minds. Your whole body is your own. It belongs to you and no one else. Take it back from the toxic theology that held it captive for too long. You owe yourself that, in the very least. And lastly, I want to remind you that you are whole. You are enough. And you are seen and heard in this space. That's where I'm going to leave us for this week. Thank you again for everyone who's listened along these last few weeks. I promise not every episode or series on this podcast will be quite so heavy but thanks for joining me this far happy pride everyone until next time